We spent all year so far, and here we are in October. And John was like, gosh, can we talk about Christmas after Thanksgiving? We haven't even got to Halloween yet. How many of you are just watching some, some Christmas movies already? Okay, you're being honest. Appreciate it. Christmas music? <laughs> Jason's like, no, nah, man, there's a, there's a guideline for that, and it's Thanksgiving. But you guys, um, it's more than just holidays and seasons. Our days, we just need encouragement. And there's a lot to be had in Christ. He's literally the encouragement of our soul. And yet, many of us get caught up, all of us, as a matter of fact, at some point get caught up in what's happening in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, indeed, even in our bodies, right? We're just like, oh, gosh, what a bummer. What a challenge. What a day. What a week. What a decade I've been having. And we need help. So we keep coming to Christ as Christ followers and so we want to know what he says and what he said, and we believe that it's life. And so we've been going through the whole Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the different things that Jesus taught and all the different things he said, all the different things he did. And we're in what's called the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. This is the blessed are. And blessed, Jesus says, is not just happy, although it's that. It's contentment. It's fulfillment. It's joy. It's satisfaction. And he says what that is, and yet for many of us, it's hard for us to be blessed the way God says. Because we have an idea of what that's supposed to look like. We think blessed means, you know, all of my needs taken care of. Like, and when I say needs, I start to add some things to that. What I really need is a car that doesn't just run great, but looks real great. Kind of like the Joneses. Or we say, I'm blessed if my wife just does what I ask her to. Or more miraculously, your husband does what you ask him to. And we've got these ideas of what blessed looks like. And then Jesus bolts onto the scene and says, here's what blessed is. Here's what fulfillment is. Here's what joy is. Here's what life is. Here's what good is. And so let's go there together. Matthew 5, 1 through 4. Last week we started this, and I love it. You guys, I'm just going to give a quick recap just by reading it. But Matthew 5, 1 through 3 is what we read last week, and we'll read 1 through 4 this morning. If you don't have Bibles, we've got a screen that has the text on it. If you need a Bible, you can get one from us, or you can go download our app, and there's a Bible on there. Or there's this really worldwide, famous, amazing Bible app. It's called the Bible app. It's really cool. <laughs> and it's got all kinds of translations, all kinds of help, all kinds of opportunities there. So here you go. Matthew 5, 1 through 4. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I told you last week that there's two types of people. Crowds. Those who might be interested are those who are just around, and then disciples, those who want Jesus, those who pursue him, those who want to learn from him. 
And so they came to him, those that wanted to learn from him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit isn't just some kind of poverty vow. Poor in spirit is acknowledging that you don't have all your ducks in a row. You don't have what it takes. Spiritually, you're bankrupt without Jesus. Without him loving you, without him paying for you, you recognize that the sun rises and then sets because he says so. The wind blows because he says so. And when things really bad go on, he's the only one who could comfort you. And so, you're poor in spirit. You recognize he's the riches, he's the joy, he's life. And he says, those people that live that way, those people that are acknowledging that, it's because theirs is the kingdom of God. They already acknowledge that he's the king and they're not. You remember that, like there's this commercial, it's like, move over, bacon. Now it's time for something meatier. We have this mentality like, move over, God, I got this. But those who are poor in spirit are like, thank you. I'm, I'm out. I can't do this on my own. People say, oh, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Find that in the text for me anywhere. I do believe that he gives you the ability to overcome all kinds of things. But he's given us a lot we can't handle. Poor in spirit says, I can't do this on my own. And so that was last week's message abbreviated. Some of you are like, can you try that now? Because the Seahawks play at 10. (laughs) (laughs) Record your stuff. It'll be fine. Now here's the one for today. Blessed, fulfilled, content, happy are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. He doesn't want to talk a ton about comfort. I want to talk a ton about the comforter. I'm going to summarize it and then make you look for it as we go through the rest of these passages. But the comforter himself is the Holy Spirit. He's literally, in the Greek, paraclete, helper, comforter. He is our comfort. When we mourn, when we grieve, and not just when bad things happen, but sin and the the pain of it and the nastiness of it and the result of it. I'm not here to explain to you why and how everything bad happens, but I can tell you what the root is. It's sin. Not you did something wrong or somebody did something wrong. It goes all the way back to sin entering the story. Genesis 3, God had told the only two people to live, look, you can eat from any tree including the tree of life, but don't eat from this tree, which is the knowledge of good and evil, because when you do, you'll die. And many of us are like, well, we're teachers, or we're parents, or we're bosses. You don't tell somebody, don't do that, because that's exactly what they want to do. But if God's the teacher, the parent, the boss, if he says something, then we go, okay. Or we go, "Ah, I'm going to try it myself. Which, by the way, we all try it ourselves. And that is when sin and death and sickness, brokenness, enter the story. Jesus came to set us free. But all that stuff is still part of the story. 
until he comes back or we go to see him. But those in Christ can be comforted, even in the midst of the pain. So I wanted to tell you today, good morning. <laughs> it's all right. It's morning. <laughs> but I got the you in there. It's a dad joke. We're going to talk about good morning. The old phrase is good grief, but not good. There's good grief. There's good morning. This morning, this grief that he's talking about is the kind of deep-seated grief over sin and its consequences, its pain, its agony. Will you go with me to John 16, 33? Now, for the last few weeks of the year, we're going to be looking at the farewell messages from Jesus in John 14, 15, 16, and a tiny bit in 17. But here's a little snapshot. John 16, 33. Jesus has been betrayed, as Paul talked about. He's had all kinds of nastiness happen. They've already taken the Lord's Supper or communion. And he lays this on them. I've said all these things to you about how the world's going to be terrible. That in me you may have peace, comfort, joy. But he says right here that you may have peace, shalom, oneness with God. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have problems. You're going to have pain. You're going to have agony. Tribulation encompasses all those words. He says, but take heart. This is back to peace again, and this is back to joy, and this is being blessed, and this is comfort. Look, in this world, you're going to have some really bad stuff, but take heart. I have overcome this world. We're like, okay, I want to believe that, and on my good days, I believe that, but what about when I'm having a bad day? What about when terrible things happen? What about when unexplainably difficult things happen? How has he overcome that? Now, as Christians, we'll just go straight to, well, he died, and he rose from the dead, and there's victory. Yeah, how come there's still bad stuff? If there's victory, why is there bad stuff? Great question. I don't know that I have a satisfactory answer for you, especially if Jesus isn't your comfort. I believe that bad things happen. Because not only did God warn us that they are going to happen, but because he allows us to go through some difficulties that would wake us up. But some of us just double down on the snooze. And it can look like, I'm mad at you, God, if you even exist. And he's big enough to handle that, but you're not big enough to live there for a lifetime. It'll mess you up. It's bitterness, and it's real, and he's kind and compassionate, and he's with us. Why has he taken so long to come back? And if he died, and he rose from the dead, and he took our sin on him and died and rose from the dead, then why don't we have victory? We do, but we have to walk in it, and we get to overcome. And one day, he comes back and makes everything perfect. Today, we're in a world that's not our home. We're like, if he's a savior, then why doesn't he just 
erase all of it because he wants more people to be saved. There will come a day, like the last song we sang, where he comes. And like Paul said, he's no longer the savior at that point only. He's the judge. (laughs) He's the tatted somewhere, just as his name is written on him. And he's coming on a white horse, and he comes back. And if you're not with him, you're separated for eternity. Talked about that for two weeks. We've talked about that a lot. But I love that before all of that happens, he wants to be our comfort. Take heart. I've overcome the world. In 2 Corinthians 1, he says that he's the God of all comfort. Bless you. That he comforts all of us that are in our time of need, that we would be able to comfort others with what we receive from him. So you don't go through what you go through just for yourself. It's easy to love God and squeeze his neck when everything's going the way you want it to. What about when it's not? Is he still good then? I don't know. Jury's out. To you. But it's not out according to him. He's always good. Literally, I've said this four weeks in a row now. He's the root of the word good. That's where God comes from, by the way. Except good comes from God, not the other way around. We think he's good when he's doing things the way we want, but since he's God, when he says something is blessed, it's blessed. And so, like I said, there's good morning, and we're going to talk about bad morning, but the good morning, I'm trusting Jesus. Believing him, not ignoring what's bad and nasty in us and around us, but actually acknowledging it and saying, oh, Lord, help me. And he's like, I've overcome the world. I got you. Let's walk this together. Anybody that tells you following Jesus means like a Disney flick, all your dreams come true, lying to you. Or at least just trying to be kind and don't want to say anything negative. Have you ever seen somebody with something just glaring in their teeth? Like a sprig of whatever. Many of you just checked your teeth. It was amazing. I wish I had a camera. You know, can you see that from there? No, I can't. If I could, I would tell you. But when people have that, and somebody says, yo, man, you got a little something right there. Was it good? Was it good the second time? You know, whatever. They're just kind to you, right? Now, let's go to something way less um, welcoming. (laughs) Somebody sees something that's going on in you, and it's rough. And they're kind enough to say, hey, can we have a chat real quick? You've been being really angry? You've been being bitter? What's going on? Are you okay? What's happening? I've noticed that you've given in to fear. How do you know that? Because nobody sees you anymore. This is kindness. This is poor in spirit. This is mourning in a good way. Like, this is bad. This is hard. What, what needs to happen? And a lot of times, depending on how we say it or how somebody's ready to receive it, that just feels judgmental. But could there be another perspective? Could it be helpful? Let's go to 1 John really quick. I know that isn't what Jesus said, but it is one of his amazing disciples. 
And it's 1 John 1, 8 through 10. First John 1, 8 through 10. I'm trying to see if I have the right passage here. I don't. But that's what I have on the screen for you. Oh, I get it. I am in the right one. Sorry. You ever done that? I was in chapter 2, and I'm like, that's not even highlighted. Because <laughs> I'm at that age where stuff's got to be really spelled out for me, and that wasn't. I'm like, somebody else come preach. <laughs> John, you good? Come on. Tag team. All right, here we go. First John 1, I'm back to that, 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. There's nobody perfect but Jesus. Good morning would be to admit, I don't have it together. Only he does. I'm not making him out to be a liar. I recognize that by myself, I can't do it right. That's good morning. But as we just read in there, there's bad morning as well. Bad morning is to act like everything's fine. Bad morning is to say that everything's wrong with you, 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 and you, but not me. Bad morning is to just kind of sit there in our stuff forever and not ask for help. That's not poverty of spirit. That's pride. No, but I feel really terrible about my life. And I feel really terrible about me. And I feel really terrible about everything else. And I get it. And that's depression. There's some clinical depression. And you're allowed to get help for that. Please don't numb it. Ask for help. Get help. I do believe that there are some people that have something in their bodies, chemically, that's off, and they probably need some level of help chemically or pharmaceutically. But if our best living comes through numbing something and not dealing with it and not getting ways to deal with it, and the best way to deal with it is to start is to confess that you need Jesus and you don't have everything that it takes. If you can't do that, that's bad morning. And some of you are like, dude, there's no good morning at all. Not only the morning time of the day, but just morning. It's just bad. No, it helps you know that this place ain't all there is. There's got to be something else. There's got to be something better. And there is. His name is Jesus. The joy is in him. The blessing is in him. I'm going to give you another picture of what this looks like going all the way back into the Old Testament. Proverbs. You might know what Proverbs are. It's like proverbial wisdom, right? Giving you and giving me just a little breakdown of some really, really wonderful truth. Sometimes in the Proverbs, you're like, wait, it says don't give a bribe and then do give a bribe. Now, what it's saying in there, right? 
is be honest, but bribes will work for a little time. Another way that this just doesn't make sense is like, get what you can, enjoy it, it says in Ecclesiastes, because you only live once and everything else is vanity. But then it actually ends on you need God. But in Proverbs, there's this proverb that says, food that's eaten in secret tastes good for a time. Some of you are like, be careful what you say next. <laughs> and these snacks are okay. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I just want to eat some food. And it's like, if you steal food or you eat food in secret, it tastes good for a time, but then it turns to gravel in your stomach. Proverbs also says there's a way that seems right to us, but in the end it leads to death. Anything apart from God isn't life. And so in that nature, listen to Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals or hides his transgressions or her transgressions, her sins, his sins, his shortcomings... Whoever conceals their transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. This is a bad morning, good morning kind of a thing. The bad morning would be what, friends? You know sin is wrong, but you... Yeah, you conceal it. You're going to do it anyways, but you're hiding it. wasn't my fault. You can't prove it was me. God can, and he does, and he points it out. So instead, he or she who confesses and forsakes the transgressions will obtain mercy. You're given mercy. I'm such a mess. And God doesn't go, gosh, I didn't see that one coming. It's like, I know, and I love you. So bad morning is to hide it. Good morning is to confess it, to shed some light on it. My favorite passage on good morning, bad morning is found in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. Please join me there. Please hear my heart. I'm not trying to beat anybody up who's hurting or grieving. I'm trying to say there's hope and there's help. And it's only found in the comfort of the Holy Spirit who convicts you counsels you and comforts you. He's the helper. He comes alongside of you. He helps you to work through stuff, not try to stuff it or pretend like it doesn't exist or blame it on somebody else. Look for the good morning and the bad morning here. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. As it is, I rejoice, Paul is saying, not because you were grieved. That's not what makes me happy is that you were grieved or mourning. I'm happy because you were grieved into repenting. Repentance is to turn around, is to not keep going in the same direction. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. I mean, Paul pointed out to the Corinthians, well, you're in a jacked up place and you're acting jacked up and you need to stop. And some of them are like, oh my goodness, he's right. 
what are we doing? We need to repent. And he's like, I'm so glad that that's how that went down. There was no loss. As a matter of fact, I was pointing out that you had something nasty in your teeth was a good thing. I was pointing out that there is wrong in the way you're interacting with each other is a good thing because you realized it and you repented and you came to God who would comfort you and lead you. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. These people feel ashamed. They just feel bad. They feel terrible. Nothing can help. And they make all kinds of decisions in that. And it doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. Death of relationships. The cessation of life. The pain and the agony of a brokenness financially. There's no grieving of sin that brings life. It's a grieving of sin that's bad mourning. And God doesn't want that for anybody. But he allows all of us to choose which way we're going to go. But today, friend, if you hear him calling you, you hear him saying, look, there's a good mourning. There's a good grief. And it leads to life. Then turn to him. Christian, I'm talking to you. Pre-Christian, I'm talking to you. This is time to wake up. This is time to say God knows what he's talking about. This is a time to have a good morning and hang with God. You ready for it? Here's how we'll end. Isaiah 57, 15 and Revelation 21, 3 through 4. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Who are we talking about? Good. We're in church, you can say it. <laughs> Go ahead now. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Amen. God, the most high, Jesus. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. Ooh, listen to this. And also with him who is of contrite or broken, repentant and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. If you're poor in spirit and you mourn and you grieve sin and its effects, God's with you. Have a good morning and hang with God. Now can I share with you the end of the story? Our small group is going through the book of Revelation and we're not to the end yet, but we're excited about it. And we're thankful that God tells the truth and he helps wake people up and those who would be awake are going to be awake. Here we go, Revelation 21, 3 through 4. John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. If you are in Christ, you already are getting a snapshot of what this is like. He's with you. He's with us. He loves us. He's not ashamed to be called our God. We've acknowledged that he's God and we're not. We've confessed that our sin has made a massive gap that we can't fill and only he could and he did. 
Now, this is saying there's going to be a time when he's with us, and we're not wondering if he's with us. We're going to be on our face because it's so awesome. He'll wipe away every tear, it says in verse 4, from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, sweet, nor crying, sweet, nor pain anymore, sweet. For the former things have passed away. We're not there yet, but that's where we're headed. Have a good morning and hang with God. Grieve the nastiness. Don't try and hide it. Don't try and excuse it. Don't try and blame it on everybody else. How are you going to move towards Jesus today? What's that going to look like for you? We're all somewhere in that relationship with him. If you haven't come to him, today's your day. Confess that he is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He had to die to be raised from the dead so you know that he paid your price. He who knew no sin became your sin. That whoever would believe in him would become his righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. But you got to be poor in spirit. you got to grieve sin, not play footsies with it. Hide it. Pretend it doesn't exist. Well, boys will be boys and girls just want to have fun, so go. Repent of that and be comforted. Many of you have already done that, but you found that this world and its messed up nastiness has got you bitter. Repent of that bitterness. Let go of it. It's like trying to swim with your clothes on. It's not going to work. Grieve. Mourn as one who has hope. <laughs> Ask for help. Those you know who have walked with Jesus, they've been comforted. Get in on some of that comfort. Let them comfort you. But the next step for some of you is you've already been comforted, and it's time to not be the best kept secret. Friend, point people to Jesus. Ask them if they're ready to be comforted. Ask them if they know that there's hope in Jesus. Ask them if they know how to grieve as those who have hope. And if they say no, ask them if they want to know. And if they say no again, you just keep praying and you come back. As long as there's a breath in their lungs, there's a chance. So keep asking. You guys' stories of God's goodness are contagious. Let's pray. Lord, when you say we're blessed and then you describe what that looks like, may we be excited. May we not be afraid. May we step in to living that out. We can't earn the kingdom, but the kingdom's in us. We can't earn your comfort, but the comforter lives inside of your people. And as we grieve and as we mourn, we will be comforted. Not just in repentance when we grieve and mourn, but when we see just the nastiness of what's going on. Afghanistan having a third earthquake. Just so many crazy things going on in the inner cities. Underneath the bridges in this town, Lord, may we grieve it and may we be comforted and may we be a comfort to others. Oh God, you are so good. Open up our eyes to see that even more. I pray all this in Jesus' name.
Amen.